think we should record this for posterity. This is like a rebirth narrative. So what? what's happened, listener, is that about a year ago, uh, Matthew sent Nate uh, quite a swish broadcasting mic. So his audio would be better for the webcam and uh, for, the, for the podcast. And we just discovered that for the last year, Nate has not been recording. He's been sat with the broadcast mic headset on and it has not been recording through that. It's been picking up his audio through his webcam. So that's why I've been sounding like a fly in a bin. <laughs> I was just too polite to say anything. I was like, oh, maybe it was like a bus, the broadcast mic, so, you know. <laughs> well, I completely misunderstood, and I thought that he that you'd send him a standing mic, like a Yeti or something. Oh, no. I always thought it was odd that I could hear his fish tanks. I was like, that is right. Like, that broadcast mic is really letting the side down, I used to think. So can but... you hear the fish tanks now? No. no. But it's no. like the bloody waters of Isengarden here. Yeah, I know. That's, I mean, that mic is literally what they use for, like, football commentary on the BBC and things. So. This is... I'm not sure I'm ready for this power. Oh, my God. It's kind of crazy that that's what your voice sounds like. How will Electricity Cop sound like through this thing? This is where I would switch the voice mod on and say, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> but I haven't got it loaded. Uh, so you'll just have to imagine. Welcome, listener, to this episode 130 of the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock, Paper, Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion, this week is the best least favourite games special, inspired once again by um, uh, uh, an RPS Asks on the website, actually from four years ago, so I'll link to that. But um, this is the games that we want to like, but just can't. and 130 episodes. How how many episodes have we done with, with Nate's webcam mic? Mike. I'd say this is episode one of the RPS HD era. This is season two. <laughs> this is where season my, my two. character died at the end of last season, but now yeah. he's come back with metal arms. Oh, High definition. God. Uh, <laughs> that's that is like something you'd read on a Wikipedia. It's like series two is noticeable because recurring cast member Nate finally turned on his mic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god! Okay, um, yeah. Uh, how are you both? Oh, sorry. This uh, my name is Alice Bell, and I'm joined this week by Mr. Marmite, which is good. Hello. Hello, Mr. Marmite, and a surly orc. Zug zug. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to finding out more about you, um, Marmite. Here's a tip: if you're using, if you're moving into being more vegetarian, maybe if those, all those corn adverts have have uh, 
have wrinkled, have, have shook Lost something loose brain. in your brain. Oh, all <laughs> right. Um, if you put a spoonful of marmite into a uh, vegetarian mince, immediately makes it taste lovely and beefy. Uh, just like Mary Poppins sang. Yeah. A spoonful of marmite makes <laughs> the, the corn, corn go, go down. beefy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what she famously said. Oh, sorry, that was the new Mary, but that was Mary Poppins Returns or whatever it was called. Yeah. It's sort of updated for modern sensibilities. A spoonful of marmite makes, makes the corn go beefy. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anything, nothing interesting has happened to me this week apart from uh, Star arrived on Disney Plus so now I can watch all of uh, every terrible police procedural that I've missed out on that, well I say missed out on, I've watched them I just get to watch them again, I can watch Criminal Minds again, I can watch Castle You can uh, watch The Bill I don't think The Bill's on there sadly Bones. Castle. Castle, I've started watching it and like the early episodes are so like 2000s. Just marvelling yeah. at Nathan Fillion's lovely big face in HD. There is not one called Bones. There yeah. is. It's really good. It's, it's about... Is it, um, is it about someone called Bones or someone who studies Bones? She studies Bones. She's an anthropologist and she's nicknamed Bones by the uh, maverick FBI agent that she solves cases with. It's, really, it's a ridiculous show. There's one episode where they get buried, at, like her and one of her science supporting cast gets buried alive um, in an SUV and... And like both his legs are broken and stuff. And then like next season he's just fine. And <laughs> one of the characters in it is an artist who's built like a supercomputer. And her her dad is canonically in the show a member of CC Top. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. it's Why is that bad? TV was wild in the noughties. And and, and <laughs> And what? And it's always they find like skeletal or you know skeletonized remains, and that's why they have to call in bones. And then she'd be like, "It's a female, twenty-four years old." And then like from looking at the pelvis and whatever. But then it's all like like because it's a police procedural in America, it's always ridiculous as well. Like sometimes like a, a you know a skeleton will be found inside a giant chocolate bar at, at like a an event <laughs> at a confectionery company and stuff. Really good. Oh, imagining the bone chocolate. I know. Oh, my God. And there's, there's Lie to Me as well, which only got three seasons and I genuinely wish had run for, for decades. That's the Tim Roth thing, right? It's the Tim Roth one. It's just Tim Roth <laughs> stomping about yelling. <laughs> he, he's, he's very good at spotting, like, m- micro expressions or something. Yeah, isn't he? except the expressions aren't micro. They're very macro. It's literally like someone will smile and Tim Roth will be like, ah, happiness. <laughs> <laughs> or like they'll no, say I didn't do the murder um, and in yeah. fact I'm really sad that the person has died and then they'll turn slightly to camera and do a big like aggressively happy gun yeah basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I made I made Graham watch the first episode and he was like this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen <laughs> Is it is it Criminal Minds? It's just got Mandy Patinkin in. Yeah, and then he leaves, see- and he's he's replaced by the man who voices Fat Tony in The Simpsons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I always sort of struggle with that because Mandy Patinkin, obviously star of like Broadway, very gentle singing voice, 
and it, I always find it odd when he's playing kind of like super fierce kind of murder experts because I associate him with, you know, mm. beautiful, soft, sort of Stephen Sondheim stuff. His character in Criminal Minds is quite a, a gentle, softly spoken kind of. And actually, after he leaves, it does kind of kick into like uh, uh, a more like uh, violent gear uh, where like every time they like most times where they catch a perp now, they'll just absolutely unload like a submachine gun into him. Basically, like they'll turn up and be like FBI, and then the guy will be like, "I'm not letting it go," and then they're just gonna and like all of them I unload watching like an a episode. Full clip. I watched an episode of that a, a year ago, years ago. Um, it was about sniper, like a sniper assassin. You know, you know there was yeah. that guy who was like randomly sniping people, and they yes. were like, "Oh, it's called a." we call this a long distance serial killer, which I thought was true. And then started like, you know, using that fact whenever sniping came up, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> actually the FBI call them long distance serial killers. Turns out absolute <laughs> horse They don't call them that oh, yeah. at all. It's just in that TV show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the first, like maybe first season is based on like some level of, of accuracy to do with like profiling and stuff. Um, but like after that, they just get like, bored and they get more and more outlandish. And then it'll be like, oh, this guy like take like kidnaps people and turns them into marionettes by um, uh, <laughs> dislocating. He turns them, he turns them then, into giant chocolate bars. Yeah, <laughs> and string them up, and they'll be like, yeah, uh, this is actually quite common in psychopaths. We call it the chocolate marionette disorder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it happens all the time. We, we call it dunking syndrome. He loves to dunk them in chocolate. <laughs> also commonly known as the Willy Wonka serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, how are you, Nate? How are your fish? Uh, I actually a little heartwarming moment. I threatened a fish with Matthew last night. <laughs> uh, I, I found myself doing this and then really laughed. Uh, I was transferring some um, leopard danios from one tank into another. Because they they were in a tank with some quite rowdy killifish, um, who are sort of wide mouthed fellows, and uh, I think one of them kept putting one of the leopard danios in its mouth, Ooh. but couldn't eat it. It was just sort of like gnashing it a bit, and that made me really upset for the fish. So I thought, if that is happening, I'm just going to to move you all to a a lovely, lovely fresh tank, because I've, I've got uh, an empty one I've had set up for a couple of months cycling, and I thought, that'd actually be really good in there. It's my river tank that I made. Um, and I was trying to catch these fish, and they're such fast little gits. Mm. Um, and I was getting really, really knackered, because the tank's sort of at an awkward height, and my back mm. was aching, because I'm ancient. And I, I said, look, if you don't get in that net, I'm going to get Matthew Castle around here and he will bang on that glass. <laughs> you know, like when, you know, parents threaten kids, like the man will shout at you. Exactly <laughs> the, the same energy. Nice. The fish didn't care. In about five minutes later, I found myself saying to it, you know, you know what? You're, you're the Matthew Castle of fish. You're banging on <laughs> your own tank here. <laughs> well, that that bloody killifish is going to keep gumming you every day. I'm trying to save you here. God. Anyway, 
They're fine now. Nice. Maybe you I'm should introduce. The story had a happy ending. You should introduce Matthew to them so that they know when when yeah you... like if, if there's like one banging incident that they can like think back on and be like oh yeah, yeah we didn't like that <laughs> people right, don't know yeah. that they don't like something until they've kind of experienced it sometimes <laughs> as, as soon as quarantine's done so that sounded so sinister <laughs> <laughs> how as do you know you don't like your toenails being pulled out <laughs> How do you know you don't like being dipped in chocolate and made into a marionette? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come and smash on the glass. It'll be a, a big good activity. Actually, I should name um, should name a couple of fish after you two, really, shouldn't I? Yeah, that that would be I, a ideally supreme one with a long lifespan as well. Actually, do you know what? I um. My crayfish breeding project has gone spectacularly. I did a little roundup the other night, and I've got uh, 25 uh, adults now, and I've just moved two of them into a tank. I can call them Alice and Matthew. Nice. There you go. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That's now Uh, what they're called. And they are, in fact, in the RPS fish tank, which was the Fluval Spec 5. I recommended in the very first instalment of the RPS Fish Tank series. And I will name my next two chocolate puppets Nate and Alice. <laughs> because those will be their names. <laughs> can like I, a little can sticky, I... sticky Geppetto. But Actually, you, can I just I... bring in something else that I've been thinking about non-stop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mate Alistair said this to me the other day. Do you remember the video game company Infogrames? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, why Grames? It sounds like <laughs> Elon Musk calling his girlfriend. <laughs> Grames. <laughs> why, why Infogrames? Why not? Like, just the CEO just insists that they're a developer of video games. <laughs> <laughs> he just heard it once and was too proud to ever correct himself. He's like, yeah, I love video games. And people are like, what? All right. Yeah, I really like that movie, A Beautiful Mind, about the, uh, the inventor of Grame Theory. <laughs> I just needed to get out because I just... I've been thinking infogrames. It's, it's just a horrible word to say as well. Like, I'm sure the games were fine. I can't really remember what they made. But it's when you've printed your logo and realised there's an errant R in there and you're yeah. too cheap to just reprint everything. They, you're like, they, I guess it's infogrames. Yeah, they ordered like 2,000 business cards and then we're like, well, Graham over, Graham's man. Graham over. Graham over, man. Graham over. What, uh, what would you call your game development company, Nate? Um, Dogsoft or like the the Chimp Factory, um, oh. or I call mine Glass Bangers. Glass Bangers <laughs> is really good, actually. That is extraordinary. Glass Banger Games. Glass Banger no, Games. I call it St. Beef's <laughs> Video Development Academy. <laughs> Make it sound like a really violent public school. <laughs> so a public school 
Mm. Brilliant. That went yeah, down well. I... That was good. <laughs> Why? What? Put a blanket oh, on me. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. I'm on fire. Nice, good. <laughs> I thought you were about to explain to American listeners the ridiculous British system of calling our like exclusive paid for schools public schools as if that well, would fool people into thinking they're equitable. Uh, let's not do that because we don't have time. Uh, but, you know, I, I uh, hate the public school it. system and uh, I hate the public school system, but I, I, I don't feel the need to, uh, that I should try to like it. But there are some games, you know, that uh, we recognise are probably very good and we just, we just don't, just don't get on with them. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, uh, who would like to bring the the game that they they hate to hate to the table first. Mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack an egg into this this bowl. Um, this is one I'm gen- genuinely feel ashamed not to like. Uh, it's Into the Breach. because ah. um, I love like kaiju battles, and I love. Um, FTL, which I think they also made, didn't they? Yeah. And I love, uh, uh, you know, squad-based, grid-based tactics things. Everything was set up for me to really like it, and I just thought it was dull as dust. And everyone says to me, yes, but it's really clever, and it is. It is. It is extraordinarily well-designed, a masterpiece. But I'd I'd rather eat a cricket ball. <laughs> oh, what, what interesting! Ex- what exactly was it that kind of jarred with you so much? I think it's when I realised it was tricking me into playing chess. Right. Um, well, and you was it the chess or the tricking that you objected to? I I, I never like having the uh, the wall pulled over my eyes. Uh, I think I thought it was going to be a bit more like, because uh, forgive me if you've read this in one of my posts at some point, because I'm pretty sure I've, I've written this once, but like, I like tactics games, which are about reacting to things and improvising and yeah. dealing with an evolving situation. Whereas Into the Breach is, it's almost like the sort of, um, like a universe with no free will because you can see if you're some sort of genius the ideal solution from the first turn and the real game is puzzling that out and mm. doing thinking incredibly far ahead and doing your moves and I don't I don't enjoy that at all um, that's you know you know, great if you are a genius. Uh, the old numbers and that. Yeah. I'm not really. I just sort of look at it and go, "Oh, do I have to do all that thinking?" I, I prefer to just make loads of snap judgments. You know, yeah. and things like XCOM or Gears Tactics or whatever. They're much more about intuition for me. They're about constant risk assessment. Right? Do I do this? Do I do that? Yeah. And I can make the decisions like that. Whereas Into the Breach, way too cogitative. It's. 
it's like a world without chance, isn't it? It, it kind of... Yeah. Everything behaves in the way... You see, it's funny because, like, Into the Breach is kind of what I am pushing every tactics game I play towards. Like, I'm trying to make it as as foolproof as possible. You know, you're trying to... You know, I'm trying to... I, I like it, and I, I'm trying... I try to make other games behave like it as much as I can. So, like, I'm in total control of, the, of, of any given thing, and I don't like it when... I get upset easily by chance coming in and like messing up my my cool plan. Which yeah. so do I. Like, in fairness, classic chocolate <laughs> marionette serial killer. There, yeah. I want everything to be frozen and perfect in place. <laughs> I want to, <laughs> the the signature I want to for Matthew is every move. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't temper his chocolate because then it would be too shiny when it's set. Oh no! <laughs> he heats it too much, so it goes matte. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. Because, because, as you say, into the breach does sound like pure Nate bait in many ways. Oh, absolutely. And I, I downloaded it in seconds once it was available. And I, do, have you ever had that thing where you launch into a game with such enthusiasm mm. <laughs> that you don't realise you really don't like it? until you've been playing it for hours because you're buoyed along for a certain amount of time on your certainty that you do like it. Mm. That's what done happened with that. I like that it's pure Nate bait, but it misses like probably the key ingredient of Nate's entire character, which is chaos. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. You know, you can, you can have all of that, but without the secret sauce. (laughs) Yeah. Don't care for it. Mm. Uh, I I was gonna uh, bring uh, Dark Souls and uh, oh, okay. Dark Souls and Bloodborne, the Souls games, because um, uh, yeah, I think it it's I understand why people like them and. Uh, why they're so good and so well constructed and everything. It's like um, Breaking Bad. I don't like Breaking Bad. I understand that it's very good. I understand that it's like, like, so well done and that the performances are really good and it's really tightly written and stuff. But I just, it's just so grim and, and there are so few moments of levity and it's just, it just, it's, so kind of depressing and endless, mm. and that's how I feel about Dark Souls as well, and uh, and Bloodborne because it's like Bloodborne I got on with more, um, but they're just I this I just I just don't like them. They're really dreary, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. And this is coming from someone who loves Warhammer Forty K. You know, I mean. <laughs> That is cheery in comparison to the exactly, and that I get. They're so there's so much beautiful like weird gothic design in them and stuff, and like, I but it's just relentless, and it's not because people be like, oh, get good, or they won't because I think we've cultivated a a nice audience, but um, it's not that I'm like terrible at them. I did guides for for Dark Souls 3. That was one of the first things I did in the industry. Um, 
so, so like I've I've played these games to completion, but like on sufferance, <laughs> like I didn't enjoy it at all. Mm. Like playing Dark Souls was like playing Dark Souls for me, you know. It's I just, just don't like the I I just don't like the feel of them. You know, like the, the the kind of the lumbering character and the kind of the restrictions that make all the the actions so tense. Like mm. that's fine, and I get the end result, and you know I get that people really buy into that. But second to second, moving and controlling that character is not a very pleasant thing for me. Um, you know, it's like the exact opposite of a Nintendo game, where like all the <laughs> characters are just designed to feel. Like instantly as good as possible, you know. You feel super powerful, and it's not about feeling powerful. It's just because it feels nice. It feels good. It just feels mm. fun. But those games are just all the slow animations. Of I just, uh, it, it's just not. Uh, it's just not my cup of tea. People are really into the lore as well, aren't they? But it's just because yeah. I, I I quite I, I like the lore of some games where I'm not into the game just because I really like fantasy and I can't really discern much from well this is so this is the thing I I always wonder and I know that there's an entire industry built around Dark Souls lore so what what I'm about to say is probably incredibly stupid but like there was always an element of sort of Emperor's new clothes about it it's like a game where it doesn't like sort of uh, explicitly say anything and then everyone's like well that's the genius of it you have to unpick it all for yourself and you're like you know and the developers they won't recognize any of this stuff you know they don't say any of you know they they won't tell you any of this stuff and you're like then how do you know any of it's real and you've not just mapped this like insane mass of information onto, onto this world from these tiny details um you know i feel like well, that would probably apply to lots of games. I imagine there are lots of games which they haven't got a lot of narrative work in them, which if you took a great hard look at them and really strained your brain, you could probably make connections and map a story onto it yourself. Uh, like for me, if something's that buried, that deep and that hidden, is it like, is that, is that genius storytelling? I don't know. Let me do you a little ask a row, Alice. Yeah. Why do you, because this is about, um, Games we don't like, but we, we wish we did. Why do you wish you liked Dark Souls? God, makes me sound like a therapist, doesn't it? Um, I shouldn't because, have asked it in such an insidious way. But you know because what I Because mean. I can recognise how well made they are. And stuff like uh, the, the way the maps kind of um, fold back on each other and you can get around and open up shortcuts and things like that. Like when I kick down a ladder and I realise that I've unlocked a huge shortcut, that's the closest I get to understanding the appreciation of Dark Souls, um, and and they've they've also <laughs> been so relief. influential. <laughs> yeah, they've been so influential as well. And I just wish I appreciated them more, because um, they are. Yeah. I you like dense RPGs and stuff. It's just I don't. And but there is so much like to the the fandom as well that um, I I just I wish I could get into it more and. There's all this stuff like like watching Dark Souls speedrunning and Bloodborne speedrunning actually is is quite enjoyable because these people are so slick and like they make it look easy and stuff and um, all the stuff about the tolerances of rolling and there's a difference between rolling if you're not you know encumbered or, or not wearing loads of heavy armor and then rolling if you are which is called fat rolling because 
because <laughs> you can't roll like as far or as quickly and you do just kind of little <laughs> you do like a little a flirt like flump over kind of in comparison mm. um, I'm familiar um, with the move in real life <laughs> <laughs> like with the fandom and stuff I don't know if you get this but I quite often the main reason I want to like things and I get this a lot with Nintendo games because I never really had uh, a Nintendo console in my life so I've just not played really many Nintendo games at all. And so I get this sense of sort of subdued resentment. There's just a vast amount of reference culture that I can't take part in. Um, (laughs) Because I've just got no idea. It's like, yeah, Link, I guess, has a green outfit. Mm. Beyond that, I'm kind of clueless. And, you know, there's so many, like, I mean, you know, mysticals Link, or whatever. That is Link's whole deal. <laughs> yeah. So. Mystic Green. But, yeah, you miss it, out on, on loads of stuff you might otherwise be able to entertain yourself with. I, d- yeah. I don't know if um, Dark Souls is better, because Dark Souls is too quite... Dark Souls isn't, like, snappy or, like... like um, it doesn't lend itself to memes that easily, apart from the Praise the Sun thing, really, and stuff like that. But, I um, made it my business to understand him purely so I could under- enjoy the memes. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose it is a bit like um, like if you try and enjoy tweets by people from the UK without understanding Peep Show, you know, like mm. like last year or the year before, there was uh, it was around poppy season and there was a picture of the Queen wearing like five crocheted poppies or something. And someone just tweeted it going, five poppies, the queen. That's insane. And there are so many layers to understand in order to get that joke. <laughs> Find it funny. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, I, I just wish I liked it because I, I can understand from the outside that they're so good. I wish I liked it more because, you know, I've spent a lot of time hanging out with uh, Rich Stanton over the last few years, who's another games journalist from used to work on Edge magazine, works for PC Gamer now. Um, and he's like a massive Dark Souls fan, like he's written some amazing stuff about it. And when he talks to me about Dark Souls, it sounds like the most amazing game ever. Like all the mm. anecdotes, all the things, all the lore stuff, he's really deep into it. And whenever I play it, it's just me getting like murdered by a skeleton in a, in a sad room. Um, and I think, hmm, <laughs> it's just the gulf from my experience and his experience is so vast. Do you um, ever think, is this how my chocolate marionettes feel? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> they like it. Oh, yeah, you don't have empathy, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a key, that's a key part of being a chocolate puppeteer. <laughs> You make it sound like a time-honoured profession. It is. That's what they say. Leave your empathy at the door. <laughs> That's what they say when they're teaching you the fine art. That's um, uh, The Chocolate Puppeteers Guild. Yeah. It's like those, you know those adverts for like, is it like Lind or Lindor Chocolate where they have those yeah. sort of Swiss chefs and they're the master chocolatiers and they're, they're it's like that. That's how we learn. <laughs> Oh God, it's just making me think like, you know, all the lockdown adverts that are like, here's to the bakers, the family makers. It was like, here's to the killers, (laughs) the the chocolate puppeteers. 
(laughs) (laughs) And it's just like a montage of Matthew, like, lovingly checking the temperature of his chocolate. Pouring (laughs) scalding multi chocolate into a a human shaped (laughs) mould. Here's to the mould fillers and the long distance serial killers. I loathe those adverts. I know it's gotten to the point now that whenever I see one, I'm like, I'm never buying any service or product from that company ever again. There's this specifically Regina Spector song um, Ashley really likes, and it's on the playlist we have on uh, in the kitchen sometimes. And it's an all right song that has been destroyed for me because there's something about it which makes it sound exactly like the music that would be used in an advert like that. Right. It, ha- it hasn't been, it to hasn't. my knowledge. <laughs> no, but there's, there's... I don't know what it is, but there's a certain kind of music that gets chosen for adverts like that. You know, usually quite upbeat, um, very light on bass, and with sort of breathy vocals, if any right, at all. Um- Hold my hand by Jess Glynn. Yeah, yeah, the, you know, you know the, the tinkly pianos. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, Matthew, <laughs> what game do you wish that you liked? Uh, I wish I liked Horizon Zero Dawn. Ooh. I wish you did too. Um, because it felt like. One, you know, generally, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I tend to sort of follow popular tastes. You know, all <laughs> the games that get mega nines out of ten, I tend to play them. And be like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was good. Um, you know, I'm not a populist sort of contrarian type, um, but this was the one that just absolutely escaped me last gen. Like, I just, um, you know, but why, Matthew? But I readers, it's one of my faves. Yeah, well, this this the thing. So I, yeah, I read and really enjoyed all the the bits you you wrote about it. I just I found it so um, such like an artificial like video game world, like so kind of map marker, and I don't think it disguises any of its busy work like at all. And it really no. bugs me because the stuff that people talk about are like. You know, oh, I love this character, and I love the story and the lore and the setting. But for me, I just I can I can only see it as a collection of like like the worst of like those that like Ubisoft map model. It's like the worst version of that. That's and, fascinating. It's like we've played different games. But this, but that's that's I, I, I just can't get my head around it. You know, like on paper, it it should be amazing. Like I love The Witcher, and it's kind of like robot hunting Witcher. You know, it's this idea of like preparing for a fight and. It's got like a bit of that, you know, how this monster's going to behave and you've got all these traps, you can set it all up and that all sounds great, but I just, just never, ever, like never came alive for me. I just, uh, I will say when I played it, I was on a phenomenal quantity of painkillers and it was the day (laughs) after my dad's funeral. So I was probably in a sort of a, you know, uh, My barriers were lowered a little, let's but say. I don't, think that, I, I I don't knew, think that goes for the other 10 million fans, though. <laughs> I knew about the latter of those uh, those instances, but I did not know about the former. Yeah, no, my knee was uh, was having a rough-o. Um, so, 
Yeah, I was uh, I was on good old paracetamol, codeine. What are they? Cocodamol, the classics. Oh, cocodamol is um, great. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the cocodamol is good. Explains a lot. Codeine uh, and tramadol, fantastic. I do you know what? I so understand how people get hooked on painkillers because they are amazing. They're so good. Right, I will, a, a very, very brief anecdote, and without naming a name, one of the best, someone I used to work with, probably about every fifth thing he said was a line that will stay with me till the day I die. And I remember meet, meeting up with him um, after we'd finished working together for a pint. And later on in the evening, because we'd had a few, and he leans forward and he's, you know, basically says, I've, I've been, uh, been buying different drugs on the dark web, see what they're like. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, go on. And he tells me about a few. And then he leans forward again and he says, look, about heroin, all I'll say is uh, I get the hype. <laughs> 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 I just thought it was like a more super hands than super hands moment. I thought it was like the delivery was amazing. It was completely deadpan, staring me in the eye. I get the hype. I, I, when I was uh, younger, I was, you know, when you're like hanging out with a group of friends and, and, and you're young and you're all sort of being like, would you ever do this? Someone was like, would you ever try like heroin? Because we're smoking weed. And everyone was like, no. Except this one guy who was like, yeah, because, you know, I, I wouldn't want to, like, be on my deathbed and, you know, think that I'd missed out on anything in life. I was like, what? Not heroin? That's, that's what you say yeah. about swimming with dolphins. You don't, like... <laughs> yeah. That'll take you to your deathbed. Exactly. But oh, I would say, yeah. I've always thought when I get really old, I might get into it, to be honest. I said that the other day to my mum, gen- genuinely. I was like, mum, when I get to your age, I'm just going to take a massive, like my first and last hit of heroin and see myself oh my out. Like- <laughs> yeah, I mean, morphine's lovely. So, you know, I think it'd be great. Me or, and my mum just talk about good Netflix suggestions. <laughs> Very different relationship. Yeah. My family is, is the strange one. Um... But no, if you are on painkillers, just do be careful as a note yeah. of caution. I don't think uh, you're going to take it any. Just glamorise them for five yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, do, do be very careful because in this country, in fairness, though, it is a lot more restricted and they, they carefully note how much of anything anyone has taken and being prescribed. Um, I don't think I've, I've ever been on anything stronger than Bongella. <laughs> You do rub it on your gums, though, in fairness. So, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> the drugs game, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, that is really interesting that you saw through the. the, the I, I mean, I will say, like, weak points it has. I think a lot of the. Ah, okay. I reckon I I know what might be different in our experience. Matthew, are you familiar with uh, Billy Bumcloths? No. Right. So when when I play like a big, you know, 
a rousing adventure like that, quite often uh, Ashley will play through with me. She doesn't actually like to play, but she'll sit with me and we'll just sort of experience the story together. And the other thing she does is constantly bullies me into not going on side quests, which is a service worth its weight in gold. Mm. Because I just end up doing everything for everyone now. Yeah, the I, that's me. Yeah, for sure. And every time someone's like, hey, you over there, mm. Ashley would just be like, no, I, you know, Billy's over there is going to want his bum cloths fetching <laughs> from where he does. Forget about him. He can wipe his bum with nettles for all we care. You know, you've got, you've got, you know, a culture to save and dinosaurs to wreck. Go and do that leave Billy to his own devices. And I did, and I never regretted it because I just mainlined the story. And that was it. Because I think the side quests in that from like, I think the one or two that I did, they did seem pretty transparently busy work. Well, it was very, yeah, it was like going and get five bits of bark or whatever. And I was like, really? This is what everyone's going wild for? Bark collecting? That's the trick. You just don't do it. I just, I also, I do, I find the world very like self-serious. Like the, oh, it is. It's amazing. But, but I just, I, 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 um, that kind of everyone talking about, you know, their weird sort of um, jargon for all their weird, like, sort of tribal culture stuff, just doesn't do it for me at all. Where everyone's like, the, you know, the awakening is coming. You must prepare for the night of a thousand size with the zinger berries or whatever. And you're like, oh, shut the f up. You know, I just, that stuff, it really leaves me cold. I think it has to be done well um, because it's very easy to spot when people have have put together sort of, um, you know, like Ikea flat pack fantasy world building almost. Mm. Uh, I personally, I thought it was a few notches above that, but... It's very much a your mileage may vary subject. Yeah. And what comes across as impressive to me might just seem cheesy to you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I wish I got you it. you don't like listening went, food. People, <laughs> people, people just go so nuts for that game. And, you know, but, you know, almost like, you know, they had like a sort of profound experience with it in some way. Like it really like sort of got under their skin and, I uh, I'm always envious when people have that, and it you don't have mm. that yourself. Um, I I really enjoyed it, but I did not have a profound experience with it because I th- I I thought the world was really cool, and the and especially that when you sort of first play it. But then as you kind of play it a bit more, I felt the difficulty spiked a little bit. And then also as you went in, as you went on, the dinosaur robot ceased being kind of like the bit in Jurassic Park where they move in herds and you're like Alan Grant taking your sunglasses off and just become <laughs> annoying and you're like, oh no, there's another load of those crabs. I can't be bothered fighting the it big was- crabs. So I'll have oh, to go- Oh, the bully like, crab is the worst enemy. Yeah. yeah. So I'll have to go miles out of my way or am I fast enough to run past the crabs if I, I'll call my robot horse and run past the crab. Do you know, like familiarity begat mm. contempt for me, basically. But mm. I still thought it was good. It probably didn't help that I played it just after playing Zelda Breath of the Wild, which was like an instant, like, top 10 all-timer for me. 
Mm. Um, so a lot of things paled in comparison to that. Oh, but I should play that now. Well, that's quite interesting to see what I think. Oh, that's great. It's- anyway, my daughter's middle name is Aloy, so... Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. Yeah, that's we're really... Into People go her. nuts for that character, and I just thought she was just... Just totally normal. She's just a normal person in that world. Well, burn on Nate's daughter. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. She's just like, they're, they're like, do you want to go and get the bark? And she's like, yeah. You're like, okay, well, cool. what no, I know she was. What she an interesting twist. about bark fetching. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that game is, I swear. I swear. I, One day I, my daughter's going to bang on your glass, mate. <laughs> She'll be the one who catches you at last (laughs) after you've like turned the mare into a Mars bar. Uh, What would happen if you took Aloy to the London Aquarium? Ooh, good. Okay, this is good. Okay. Um, Because I don't know the character that well, having bounced off her game. I feel she would respect the animals, but she would also probably dive into the biggest tank and like try and spearfish some of them. But in like. Yeah, in like a very mutual respect, I will not overfish and will only take what I need kind of way. Yeah, she'd strangle a shark, but in a way that took into account the shark's feelings on the matter. Yeah. And then she'd make the shark skin into like some kind of papoose for a weapon or something as well. Oh well, no. She'd be like, "Oh, I have now. Well, that's one shark. I've now got to get nine others because I need <laughs> ten sharks for this <laughs> side quest." So, and, and she yeah. would also somehow integrate like an RGB light up keyboard into <laughs> the, into the thing. Are there non robot animals in Horizon Zero Dawn? Yes. Yeah, but okay. you mostly eat them, and there aren't really very there aren't any like big ones. I don't think. Well, no, like, there but there's a canon reason for that. Yeah, mm. which but, you know shouldn't shouldn't spoil. But, but there are like boar and turkeys and that and rabbits, little ones. And yeah, she wouldn't get invited back to the the London Aquarium. No, but I feel like she would think that, like she would use every part of the shark, and then like I think she'd think Matthew's glass banging would be worse than her strangling the shark. Which it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because jumping into a shark tank to strangle it and then consume it, that's a dignified thing to do for both parties. <laughs> you know, whereas just smashing on the glass like a clown, that doesn't make anyone look good. <laughs> It makes the fish look good because they move around fast. It makes them look exciting. Penis. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like, everyone's like, listen. I know you're not meant to, and I know like we're meant to frown on this, but the end result is the fish are now more interesting. So <laughs> you know, you've got. You, <sighs> I, I know it's wrong, but you do have to hand it to. Uh, <clears throat> got to hand it to Matthew. He's made the aquarium experience more interesting. Well, that's the thing. The aquarium manager is looking at this and thinking, I mean, I know it's wrong, but look how excited everyone suddenly is by the fish movement. Ever since Matthew's been coming in banging on the glass every week, ticket sales have been through the roof. 
Next thing you know, there's a bloody animatronic Matthew <laughs> next to each tank, just pounding it with a big, like, fiberglass fist, 24 hours a day. The fish are all just <laughs> shivering like World War One Tommies. Like, <laughs> just at these giant, empty-faced Matthews battering the tanks. <laughs> Surely you could, you could just attach some kind of box to the glass that just vibrates the glass aggressively, so it wouldn't seem as bad. Like the public wouldn't know what was going on. That's the secret. Yeah, you want to hide it from the, the public. Job, the uh, the head aquarist is like, okay, so you're going to be uh, be maintaining the tanks during the day. Uh, you've got, here's your your radio, your uh, algae cleaning sponge, and uh, this is your mini mat. What's that? <laughs> Oh, uh, a, a miniature Matthew Castle, uh, in short. It's, it's just like a small device. It just simulates the exact like pressure and force <laughs> of you battering your palms against a fish tank. I could, I could sell them some of my chocolate animatronic marionettes. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be good. There'd be you could get like a plushy. There'd plushy Matthew and that there'd be a Matthew section of the gift shop. Oh my god, this this aquarium sounds great. With plushy Matthews of different sizes or like rubbers with Matthew's face on or finally you know, an aquarium that isn't terrible. Aloy <laughs> will burn this place to the ground. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh look at the time. I gosh, I think there's just time for us actually to exit this aquarium. Uh through through this do- I mean, is this the way to the gift shop? Because it it's feeling a bit cavernous. Actually, is this? It's vast the- and very underground. A wrong turn to the the cavern of lies. Oh no! The cavern of lies. Uh, oh, excellent. Uh, welcome to my cavern this week, lads. Um, and actually, there is um. If you kind of push open uh, this this gate here, uh, there's a there's a little kind of um, makeshift lift that you can now unlock, and that'll take you back up to the aquarium. Actually, but I'm not going to let you do that oh. unless uh, you can tell me which of these things are really items from Bloodborne, and and oh. which two I have made up. Oh, this is good. Yeah, quite looking forward to this one. Um, so, uh, first of all, we have got. Who are you? Are you just you? I'm just me. Yeah. Okay. I'm Always just, worth that. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not as conceptual as you. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so what should, I don't know which one I should do first because I feel like cavern, a cavern kind of. Success. A lot of it depends on the order that you you yeah. display your wares, isn't it? You know. Well, the, yeah, yeah, but then if you subvert the logic, that almost works just as well. I would just uh, go with whatever order they're in. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, in which case, let's start with. Uh, Okay, let's start with Lawrence's skull. Right. What's 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 his deal? Uh well it's 
So Loris's skull is a key item in Bloodborne. Uh, it was actually added with um, the Old Hunters DLC. Um, and uh, it is the skull of Lawrence, first vicar of the healing church. In reality, okay. he became the first cleric beast and his human skull only exists within the nightmare. Uh, the skull is a symbol of Lawrence's past and what he failed to protect. And he is destined to seek his skull. But even if he found it, he could never restore his memories. And it's just a skull, basically. <laughs> it's a Disguise. symbol of what Lawrence failed to protect, which is his own head. Yes, presumably. But he was, he was the, first, the very first vicar of the healing church, which is sort of, I mean, Bloodborne is quite Catholic, or at least, you know, what non-Catholics think Catholicism is like. So, hmm. Lawrence. Why is he just called Lawrence? I don't know. I didn't Not know. Like Saint Lawrence or Lawrence, <laughs> yeah, Lawrence the Holy. Lawrence the Skull. I think they do have names like that. But you need you need to you need his skull to uh, start the boss fight with Lawrence. Right. Is he some sort of ripped skeleton now? I'm I'm guessing. Without a head. No, he's like um. He, he's like a, he's sort of a big monster that sort of looks like a, sort of looks like a, a wolf. Um, With no heads? No, he has or a head. Or just a really he's floppy like, head because there's no skull in it. No, that's his human head. He's, he's, he becomes the first cleric beast because you fight, mm. I think you fight um, a cleric beast as like an optional boss very early on in, in Bloodborne. Um and he's he's like the, the oh, kind okay. of, this, uh, cleric. This sounds very convincing. This does sound this does sound convincing. I don't know if it's an existing thing that you've just sidestepped from, but I think it's I think it's real. Yeah, if it's so, actually called like Kevin's skull, but it's otherwise <laughs> the same, I'm calling this. No, cheap. I know. I realised that was a bit cheaty when I did that with um, Dungeons and Dragons, so I've not done that this time. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think I think this is uh, nice. Thing yeah, nice. it sounds nice to me. Oh, I forgot I hadn't reloaded the stings. Oh, there are no stings. Oh. Oh. What suspense? Well, it is in fact nice. You're correct. Yes. Lawrence's skull is real. Um, all right. What about? Um, I'm gonna do. I think I'm going to do Queenly Flesh. Okay. Um, Hang on, is that like Queenly, the adjective, or Queen Le Flesh? No, as in the adjective, <laughs> so like, you know. <laughs> Queen Le Flesh. Because she sounds quite spicy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Queenly Flesh yeah. is... Uh, it's it's a lump of kind of stringy flesh. I don't know where indeterminate. You know, I don't know where on the body it came from. Um, mm. uh, and it is what remains of Annalise, Blood Queen of Canehurst. This pinkish pinkish lump of flesh remains warm as if cursed. Mm. That almost feels too explicitly nasty to be. Bloodborne, like Bloodborne's a bit, bit more subtle than that. Like than just a lump of flesh. 
but I mean, it. It's I don't know what to say. It's it's dropped by another boss, Annalise. Um, Who's the 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 Blood Queen of Beast Mode? Well, what is she? Uh, she's an NPC, and she's like a a vampire. Um, who who lived in Canehurst Castle? Mm. And is this? Do you get this for killing her? Yeah, it drops. But you have to, lump. you have to bring a lantern, and then, um, and then she'll like turn into like mince meat, basically, and and then you can pick up the, like her because if you kill her, you get you just get. Some XP, basically blood echoes, but then you have to come back. Mm. Is it like? Uh, oh, sounds a bit like Diogenes' role play, which I always like. Walking around with a lantern. <laughs> <laughs> what I, does it yeah. do for you, this Queen Queen La Flesh? If you if you have it, uh, it it base it nothing really. You can just because she's. You can do other stuff with her. Like I think you can get stuff off her. So if you kill her and then regret it, you can use it to respawn her, basically. Okay. Mm, I'm. I, something about the word. I just. I. I. Something about the word flesh just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, it doesn't. My spider sense is tingling. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to believe this is a real character and a real boss, but I think this is, might be a bogus item. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with <laughs> yeah. it. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. So you la la. Uh, As it Queen Laflesh says. It is nice. Oh. Oh. It's real. Maybe it's just a lump of flesh, yeah. God damn it. I know, Fuck yeah. Up. It's a bit grim. I agree with you, Matthew. It's horrible. You're Come on, hit us, the, hit us with the next one. All right, uh, dried grave flowers. Uh, they are a common item used uh, in a holy chalice ritual, like a, com- a common material um, that you can pick up um, from killing enemies in the, the starting area and some later areas as well, um, and sometimes from urns. Um, they are as dry as paper and bone dust. Uh, who these blooms were for and who left them are both long forgotten. Uh, mm. And yeah, they're used. They're, they're used in in something called a holy chalice ritual because you can make these things. I did. I'll be honest. I didn't play all the Bloodborne, <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure what holy what role holy chalice rituals uh, right. play. But okay. you can, so that's a, you, that's a that's a that's a good little caveat there for not thanks, having to explain yeah. it properly. Yeah, um, that's a real I know that <laughs> I know that you um uh the quality of holy chalice that you're trying to get depends on the quality of consumable items that you're using. Um, these are quite a common material, so they're not they're they're not used for uh like proper ones. Or like serious oh. chalice rituals. Uh, they're similar mm-hmm. to grave mold. Mm. Similar to grave mold. Well, that is um, 
that has all the hallmarks of a statement straining for authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> like, but similar, if, similar to as in packing it on. <laughs> they're dropped by the same mobs in the same areas. No, mm. this is. I, it was a bold effort, but also just you know the laws of chance mean we're bound to have a lie at this point. <laughs> um. Which is metagaming it, but you know, like Bloodborne's a dirty world where you have to do what needs to be done to beat it's, the uh, the basement. It's too normal. It feels too normal. Dried <laughs> grave flowers. Are you saying yeah. ooh la la? It's a ooh la la. Ooh la la. Yeah, you're right. It's a ooh la la. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did appreciate your craft, but. Um, yeah, thank you. It What's was when you set up your excuse for not knowing. That was the problem. That is actually also true, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? Yeah, no that that part was true. <laughs> so oh I don't really God. understand what the holy chalice rituals are. Oh well, it's impressive. But listen, because... ev- every good lie needs a grain of truth, right? <laughs> so we're on two two correct and one balked. Mm-hmm. Let's see how. Uh, two more to go. All right. Um, so I'm going to go with the Sage's Phalanges, um, which is a special material used in a holy chalice ritual. Uh, it's a body part of a saint sacrificed by the healing church in their search for truth. Um, and there are two other bits of sage that you can get one is sage's, a sage's wrist, and the other is sage's hair. Hmm. Sages phalanges. Phalanges. What does a wrist look like when it's like just a wrist? It's I I mean they've cheated a bit. It's it's like a hand. The phalanges is um a foot. Because I suppose you can't have a hand for both. Phalanges is fingers or toes. In this case, toes, I guess. Mm. Do you reckon it's from the same linguistic root as phalanx? Must be. Dunno. We all learnt something today. <laughs> so this is an item so it comes as a set with some other things. No, it doesn't come as a set and they're they're not um they're a special material, but you can get more than one of each of them. You need like um I think three for uh mm. to create the holy chalice ritual, but it doesn't have to be the same Sages three. Sages for lunch. I dunno. Lot of sounds- body parts so far, right? Yeah, it's for well, sort of I mean, in fairness, it's, it? it's that sort of game, yeah. It's uh, like your your health potion is like cold blood or something. Oh, yeah, I guess Clue is literally in the name. Because um, there's nothing more terrifying than body parts. <laughs> That's Bloodborne's vibe. Yeah. Mm, I don't know about this. The words, I, it just doesn't sound, it just doesn't sound right. Uh, see, it's the phalanges that does it for me. Well, not not in a like a sex way. Um, <laughs> I'm not not pulling a Tarantino moment here. Um, I, it's just a creepy word. Something, you know, it's an odd word. They're, they're doing that thing where they use a slightly unusual term for something to make it seem, you know, arcane and otherworldly and unsettling. But then- if the other bits are, what did you say? Hair and something? Wrist? Hand? 
wrist. Hair and wrist. wrist. Surely you'd just be ankle. Yeah. Because well, it's toes. toes. Mm, I don't know. They all, I mean, well, they, no, all have the, they all have the same description as well. So I can't help you there. Uh, I, think, I think this is ooh la la. I what, think with, it is too, actually. Yeah, you make a really good point, Matthew. He didn't make a point. He just said, I think it's ooh-la-la. That's not a point. <laughs> no, 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 no. He did. He said that, it, you know, it would match hair and wrist. Like, phalanges would be better, but I suspect that's because you would write quite good game law. I'm, get, I'm getting head, shoulders, knees, and phalanges from this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not right. It's just not right. <laughs> Yeah, ooh la la. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, okay. Yeah, that was yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, we smashed it. It was actually there was a clue earlier in the podcast because I talked about bones in one of the first episodes. She calls fingers phalanges and then makes a big deal of it. That's where my inspiration <gasps> oh. came from. Yeah. It was foreshadowed. I reached too far, like Icarus. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I mean, the last one, you know, is is true now. Tell us what it is anyway, and I will it's, tell you what my gut instinct was. Uh, one third of umbilical cord. <laughs> uh, I would have believed that, I think. <laughs> and interestingly... Presuming you have to collect the other two thirds, right? Well, they, well... This is the thing. There are four one-third of umbilical cords. Oh, God. You just know that's going to trigger an hour-long law breakdown video on YouTube. Well, and the other <laughs> thing is that it's called one-third of umbilical cord in the US, and in the UK translation, it's third umbilical cord. Oh, weird. Yeah, I know. Interesting, isn't it? That might have tripped you up. You might have thought I was lying about that because it's too weird, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> too weird. I should have done that one next. Curses! Oh well. Anyway, you you, Back out you we may go now leave. The shot. Yeah, Thank you, you Gavin Master. Take my shortcut. No problem. See Bye. you later. Yes. <laughs> just going to buy this uh, bar of Castle Brand chocolate and a big plushy Matthew on the way out. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, listener, for joining us uh, on this, uh, the Electric Wireless Show, episode 130, uh, our best, least favourite games special. Um, and now, as is tradition, we will recommend something that is not a video game for you to enjoy. Uh, what have you got for our listener this week, Matthew? Uh, I have been watching a French TV thriller about an orchestra that is on the Channel 4 on-demand service, the All 4, whatever it's called. It's part of the Walter mm-hmm. Presents, which is where they have all the foreign television um, sort of oh, segment. Yeah. Uh, it's called Philharmonia, Philharmonia, um, and mm-hmm. it's about the, uh, uh, the death of a conductor of an orchestra, and he gets replaced with this young upcoming sort of... Uh, uh, you know, she's kind of daring, experimental, and it's going to sort of shake things up and about all the kind of tensions it causes. Um, but it's got lots of classical music in it. Mm-hmm. It's got lots of scenes of people playing instruments, um, actors playing instruments and looking like they're playing them, which I always like. 
Um, it's very, very, very French, very sexy and glamorous. Um, that's good. Really enjoying it. I'll tell you what, Matthew, I went on a real journey during that explanation. <laughs> yeah. When you said, I've been watching a uh, French TV thriller about an orc, <laughs> I absolutely sat bolt upright. Tell me more. Uh, but unfortunately, the word carried on. <laughs> and became your least favourite word. <laughs> yes. I really want to watch a French TV thriller about an orc in well, they're probably uh, like Water Presents, where they gather all these these foreign TV shows. It's got a lot of shows on there. There probably is one about a French orc, to be honest. Episode one of Lork. Lork. Mm. What lorks? Uh, lovely. Well, I'm going to recommend. Um, so we got a nice, we got a couple of nice emails this week. If you want to email us, you can. It's podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. Um, so we've got a couple of nice emails, uh, and let me, let me just, I'll just bring this one up. Um, oh so, yeah, they are a real highlight when they come genuinely yeah. like, I'm not sure if all three of us think someone else has replied to them. Well, I, I don't see him, um, so. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. you yeah. don't. I'll reply to, to this one anyway, but, uh, we've got an email from Johnny. Thank you, Johnny, for getting in touch. Um, uh, he's an Irish expat abroad, uh, a gamer stuck in Otago, New Zealand, a blessing and pain as I can't travel home. Or elsewhere, and the podcast has become a sentimental collection. Um, the link is mostly due to Alice's frequent and bizarrely specific knowledge of Irish culture and colloquialisms. Mm. Uh, and as a fan of both the Jolly Green Giant and Peep Show, Matthew is a soothing brew of self-conscious British neuroticisms. Oh, great! That's that's I mean that's what I'm going for. So you know, uh, he you. did say that. Uh, he says, well, that as Nate is a lover of penguin and seal chow, uh, as a fan of such landlubbers, I'm not sure where I stand. Um, but he has suggested a topic that we might, uh, I'll, I'll keep under wraps because it's actually quite a good idea that we might might do in the future. But um, so thank you for producing such great content content on the podcast and RPS website. Well, thank you, Johnny, for getting in touch. Um, my frequent and bizarrely specific knowledge of Irish culture and colloquialism is because uh, I've worked, when I moved to London in 2016, I uh, went to... A house party, I, like I knew an Irish person in London, and that means that you quickly know a lot of Irish people in London because they they don't. It's not they all know each other, but Irish people in London have ten, tended to gravitate towards one another. And I went to a house party because my Irish friend had moved into a new house, but he moved into a new house on the weekend of Easter, and it was this. I think it was the centenary of the Easter Rising, um, which was one of the first big moves towards uh, Ireland declaring what's well, kind of the first Irish declaration of independence. Uh, and it was just a lot of it, Irish people <laughs> singing like Fields of Ath and Rye at two o'clock in the kitchen. And then like me and one other English person. <laughs> and my friend Brony was like, uh, I looked over at you and I saw you having in real time your, are we the bad guys? <laughs> I, I, I was literally just about to say that. <laughs> Are we the bad guys? <laughs> Which is a, a Peep Show reference as well. Um, and then uh, for the next, like, you know, f- from then until now, I have just lived with Irish people. Um, and um, I decided to make an effort to sort of actually understand our dual histories because um, our histories are so kind of combined and in a way that is 
I would, I, I think it might be different now, but I feel confident saying in a way that is literally never mentioned in English schools. Um, so uh, I'm going to recommend this week for any uh, non-Irish uh, people or um, Irish Americans or English people listening to read a book called Making Sense of the Troubles. Uh, it's a history of the Northern Ireland conflict, uh, that's focusing on the modern bit of it, uh, by David McKittrick and David McVeigh. And it's um, uh, very even-handed, um, but um, and it's quite heavy reading, but it's really, really good in terms of kind of understanding the, the, like a lot of the history of um, the, the kind of conflict in Northern Ireland and the roots of it, and uh, and also will kind of help you understand because obviously. Uh, the Irish border has become uh, a very acute issue again in recent years, and uh, the the way it's explained uh, on UK media is, I would say, uh, not even-handed or really even accurate. Um, so, if you are interested, there's a really good book to read and a very good place yeah. to start. There you go. Uh, and thank you for for writing in, Johnny. Um, Nate. I've padded a lot of, so you've had a lot of time to look at the items within reach on your desk and decide which one you're going to recommend this week. Yeah, have you thought about plastic bags? <laughs> uh, okay. um, no, I'm, what I'm going to do a recommend of, um, Fish Tank Recommend is on hiatus because I haven't bought any new kits this month because okay. I've just been doing a load of renovations, uh, but it will resume. Uh, as for general recommendations, uh, if you have a childless um, and you are looking for things to do like, that are interesting and, and fun together, like we're talking a toddler here, so I think anywhere between 18 months and sort of three and a half, uh, we did a great activity uh, yesterday. We got some uh, zoo animals. Not the real things, um, plastic ones uh, of our daughters. And we put them in a bowl of jelly, which we then put in the fridge to set. And then we turned the bowl of jelly out in front of her <laughs> and gave her like a paintbrush and a little like kid's knife and a spoon. And I was like, oh no, the animals have got trapped in the jelly. Can you free them? And it was really fun. Because you'd think that would be really, really simple, but there's certain cognitive leaps that the two-and-a-half-year-old mind hasn't made yet, and so it's actually quite perplexing. It took her a while to begin excavating a tape here, uh, <laughs> and it was very cute. At one point, she's like, I can't do it. <laughs> no, you definitely can. And then she realized she could eat the jelly as well, and it was uh, <laughs> And then she just began feeding it to me in an episode that lasted about 10 minutes for I, I really couldn't conceal the fact I despise jelly any longer. And oh, said, no. uh, why, why didn't you help that aardvark out? But yeah, it was great fun. Um, obviously very cheap. Good. It's a meal. It's an activity. It's, a, uh, it's an opportunity to learn about tool use and animals. That would actually be a really yeah. good way of Zeus to present animals in real life. because. The big problem I have with zoos is oh, no, is that go. you go to them and the animals are often like hiding because they're scared of people or they're inside their little animal houses. <laughs> where if you just had them like trapped in some kind of see-through gel, like you could guarantee, like you will see a panda. Like it has no choice. Oh my god! 
And then you just have that and you just walk around the outside and you get to see all these animals. That would be great. <laughs> have that you would be great, Matthew. Just like taxidermy. No, because you want to know that there's life, you know, in the in the jelly. <laughs> Like you, like like you want you want to be able to see their like eyes moving around, panicked, flashing. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> what like your chocolate marionette? Well, that's very important, and that's really you know, yeah. And otherwise, it's just a chocolate model, isn't it? Oh my god! <laughs> Close the curtain on this hell, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the electronic wireless show. <laughs> We're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rock Paper Shotguns PC Gaming Podcast. And the only podcast you need, in my opinion. This has been episode 130. Our best, least favorite game special. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Just search for Rock Paper Shotgun. Uh, but of course, uh, go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, for more PC gaming fun, um, you should also listen to the PC Gaming Week Spot, uh, another <laughs> podcast that we that we do, where uh, Matthew discusses uh, all the PC gaming current events. Um, uh, <laughs> although I'm not sure he discusses serial killing quite as much. No, it's a bit um, more chill. Uh, and also, it's quite chill. You discuss eggs, though, mm. don't you? We Scrambled did. eggs. We, we, yeah, we ranked eggs um, this week. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't we all millionaires, man? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and you can check out our merch store, uh, which is teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash rock shotgun. Um, but yeah, don't forget to visit www.rockpapershotgun.com. Um, we'll see you again next week. Uh, for now, it's goodbye from me, Alice Bell. Goodbye from a surly orc. Oh, there's someone at the door. They, they seem to have a vast amount of chocolate. Oh, no. Matthew! No!